Hi, everyone. This is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. And I'm here with my co-host, Megan Strand. Hello. Hey, Megan. How are you today? I'm excellent. I'm happy to be on the line with a returning guest and with you. And uh, we have one of the best guests ever. He's great. And what's good is this guy is right in Boston, too, although he doesn't have a Boston accent. We have Craig Bider, who is Executive Vice President for Social Impact at Cone Communications. Hey, Craig. Hey, great to be here. I'm working on that Boston accent, but it just doesn't stick for me. I, I know, know it just doesn't. You, you know no? what? You know what it is, Craig? It's because you talk so fast that it just can't keep up with you. <laughs> That's right. You can't catch me. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're really excited to have you on board. I mean, I think Megan, do you think we've probably had Craig on more than anyone else? Since we started Cause Talk Radio? This I think his, this might be his third time. Is this time. your third time, really? Well, I think this is a hat trick for him. This is one of those frequent buyer like punch cards. What happens? I get a free sandwich when I get that's right. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put your face on a T-shirt. That's what we're gonna do. (laughs) That's right. Well, (laughs) all we have to say, Craig, is keep sending those checks. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so Craig, we're really happy to have you on the line. And one of the things we want to talk about today, we're really interested in, uh, because there is so much going on in the world, both good and bad. You guys at Cone recently did um, a new tracker, uh, of which you guys are famous for doing these trend trackers during the holidays and et cetera. But this one is the Cone Communication Disaster Relief Trend Tracker. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Absolutely. Well, what we're seeing is that disaster is becoming more and more important for companies to address in a rigorous and methodical way. That mm-hmm. There are events that happen, pick up a newspaper any day. Today, it's the floods in Colorado. Recently, yeah. there were floods elsewhere in the U.S. We've had, you know, we're about halfway through this year's hurricane season, a little bit more than that. It's worth remembering that Sandy happened in the back half of the hurricane season last year. So there are, there are a lot of things that are happening in communities all around the country and all around the world. And, mm-hmm. and consumers increase are expecting companies to play a role. The, the data right. is, is overwhelming. 87% of global citizens saying companies need to play a role in disaster response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really no, I'm, fascinating that yeah. everyone around the globe similarly has these expect, expectations for companies. Can you talk about why they're putting this trust in companies versus government, for example? Yeah. Absolutely. It's really interesting. A clear majority, it's close to 70%, believe that companies can respond more effectively to disasters than, than governments and, and even other, other non- nonprofits can. And so there is mm-hmm. a, a really high call it, burden of proof on companies. And I always pose this question to our corporate clients to say, are, are you ready for that? You know, you, yeah. you may make pizza, frozen pizzas or sneakers or products with services, whatever they are, and you're probably really good at that. But in the consumer's mm-hmm. eyes, they're expecting you to show up and, and solve some of these really almost insolvable situations that can occur in post-disaster environments. So that means yeah. planning ahead, having a, a clear way you're going to get engaged and involved and, and doing a good job at it. I like to say that CSR is, is uh, that disaster is CSR in, in, in a pressure cooker. It's yeah. high, high visibility, it's high stakes, and, and your actions are scrutinized in, in a way that really increases beyond the normal level, which is already high for CSR. Mm-hmm. You know, Craig, I got a question for you, and, and something I've been writing a lot about too is I'm interested in the fact that. You know, there are different disasters that happen across the country and different amounts of money are raised from the business community, you know, and not every community is good at mobilizing 
the business community to act in these situations. You know, and we look at, you know, and I always use the kind of the classic example of, you know, what happened at the Boston Marathon. Sure, there was lots of individual donations there, but there were lots of businesses that contributed too. And I think they end up raising like over $61 million after the Boston bombings. But take a similar situation of 19 firefighters dying in Yonell, Arizona, Mm -hmm. and they raised $12, $13 million. You know, how do we, how do we, you know, how do we even that out? How do we level the playing uh, field for communities that suffer disasters? Yeah, it's a great question. I I think some of those families in Texas were asking those questions even during that same time. I think what what we see is that there are different levels, call it, of organization and, and responsiveness in different communities. Boston, clearly, with large financial services companies, many of which were sponsors, public sponsors already of, of the, the race event were, were quick to, to step in. Uh, but there were also, as you know, many other companies that got involved. I think what, what happens is that, that companies can set the tone and can set the pace. You know, some of the largest donations came first out of the gate within the first 24 hours, and I think that sent a strong signal. I think that, that the idea and what the need is and what we're encouraging the companies to do is to get a plan and to be prepared and to look at the communities in which they live and operate and to anticipate that disasters are going to come, and then to be prepared to, to jump in and, and, and become involved. Uh, the, the thing that is worth thinking about for companies is that from a consumer perspective, that they want consumers want companies to give money, but they also want companies to leverage their unique assets. So that, mm. that number, again, is in the 80 or 90% range, call it, where what does right. that mean? That means not just writing a check and hoping it's going to work, but saying we've got water, you know, the great work mm-hmm. that Anheuser-Busch does when a disaster happens and they switch the production lines and start canning purified water and getting right. that into the disaster yep. zones. Those are great examples, and, and consumers really respond. The work that Duracell does, getting batteries and power into areas that are hit, the, the reactions that we're hearing from from companies, from consumers in these in these or in these communities, are that companies are doing what they need to be doing and doing it in the right way. And so, mm-hmm. so that's a, another answer to your question, which is that there's more to do than just raise money. That that right. helps a lot. Uh, yep. But there are ways to base on the disaster that that support can come in, in many different forms. Yeah, and, and it sounds like too what you're emphasizing is companies need to be prepared. They need to have a plan. Absolutely, and, and it's, it's really worth, worth registering as, as a core part of a company's CSR commitments is having that disaster pillar. There are some brands that can make it the central part, the Duracells of the world. Even the Tide brand with Loads of Hope program has taken something like laundry and made it a core thing and made it a core part of their brand. But, yeah, having a plan, understanding that disasters will likely come, that communities are going to be impacted, and then not in that quick moment where pressure comes, and we hear this all the time from companies, there's pressure from, from the employees, there's pressure from communities to get mm. involved. And if you don't have a plan, that's a bad time to be making a plan. Uh, yeah. so, so I think that's a, a really important part. One other data point worth throwing in is that people, people understand that these disasters, that they come and go, but that the impact on the communities that they, they hit are lasting and that yeah. most consumers say they want companies to play a longer-term role and not just show up, throw money or, or product, product at, at yeah. the situation, but to really think in a, in a long-term way. Yeah. How, how what does that look like for a company? I mean, it it sounds to me, if I were a company, it seems like this is a little bit on the overwhelming side because <laughs> there are already existing so many corporate responsibility expectations, and then you throw the disaster piece on top of it, and then you throw the piece. Well, it's not enough just to donate money in the moment. You have to yeah. be involved. I mean, how, what does that look like, and how can companies leverage that opportunity to their benefit, at least from a communication standpoint? 
Yeah, it's a terrific question, and when we did a webinar recently on this, uh, someone from the corporate sector raised that exact question to say, hey, I, I'm getting pressure, and I need to show up fast, and I need to be in the mix saying, I'm going to show up in two years. Isn't enough. Like, how, how do I manage that? And, and what we encourage is a portfolio approach that says, what can you do now? You know, in, how can you engage with nonprofit leaders on the ground or the Red Cross or other organizations that know where the needs are to, to say what's needed? And that might be money, or that might be product, or that might mm -hmm. be uh, support or other use of assets. But then it's taking a step back and saying, what can we uniquely do as a company or a brand to help the long-term recovery? So that means mm. potentially making a three-year commitment during that time. That means coming back, you know, there have been some work related to Sandy, where even just this summer, it's been back in the news where Crate and Barrel, as an example, through its work with Rebuilding Together, re-emphasized this past summer, long after the news of Sandy has come and gone, its commitment to, to, to rebuild communities over time and, and brought it back into the news. And so I, I think it's, it's understanding what you can uniquely do in the short, long and short term. IKEA does a terrific job of getting in quickly to provide support and, and things that families need, particularly children, need to get their lives back on track, but then also comes back to build and rebuild the communities over time. So it's, mm. it's first taking the long-term view and then saying, how can we solve a short-term problem to, to be part of a solution, but also be there when everybody else is gone? Yeah, and Megan and, and Craig, one of the things we need to appreciate in this, and this is one of the things I always hear from Kurt Whedon, who's um, a former executive for Johnson & Johnson, who did their corporate giving, gave away three-quarters of a billion dollars every year and wrote a great book called Smart Giving, is he said, Joe, corporations on average are only giving less than 1% of revenues away. You know what I mean? In terms of profits and stuff like that. So, you know, anyone who's sitting back saying that companies can't afford uh, to give more, and especially during disasters, that's simply not true. I mean, there are some companies that are more generous than others, no doubt. Uh, but most of the giving that's done in cash is very little. And as we all know, there are a lot of tax incentives out there for giving away product that really motivate companies to give away that during disasters. Absolutely. And, and I think what companies need to understand, and, and many, many that are in this space and do it well know this, is that the, the reaction from consumers is, is overwhelmingly positive. You know, right. unless you do something, you know, step in the wrong, put your foot in your mouth or, or try to be, if you're perceived as ambulance chasing or trying to take mm. advantage of it, that can be wrong. But, but over 90% of consumers will say, I have a more favorable impression of the company X after learning of its efforts to support disaster and support people in communities. And, yep. and the verbatim responses that you hear the words that people write on their Facebook pages who aren't necessarily even receiving the, the goods or, the, or, the, or the, the generosity of the company are, are incredibly loyalty-inducing. And people say things like, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to buy this brand because they helped out my community or my family or my friend or they were yep. there when New York needed them, et cetera. So, mm -hmm. so the upside is incredibly high in terms of the reactions that people can get. And I would challenge marketers to think of another way to spend your money that engenders that kind of loyalty. You can throw all the money in the world at TV advertising or other things. Yeah, it's right. not necessarily yep. going to turn people into those types of, That's right. I, you know, I am committed to you. So it's, it's worth thinking about expanding beyond just the 1% that's being spent from a philanthropic perspective, but even into the realm of, of marketing expenditures, because these can truly become loyalty and, and uh, even trial-building opportunities. Yeah. To, that, to that point, you, we all, I think we all on the phone know that when companies are able to join with consumers, they can pack a bigger punch, in, at least in terms of dollars raised. So how are you talking to your clients about engaging consumers in helping? I mean, clearly company has to do something also, particularly in this instance, but what are ways that companies can, can work with consumers to get them engaged as well? 
a terrific question, Megan. You guys are asking all the right questions today. You really, you guys yeah. are both on. As, uh, a, as opposed to last time. Or well, you know, like the last <laughs> couple of times. <laughs> but, but, the, but the number there is about, about half of consumers have participated in disaster relief efforts, and I think you can look at that as a glass half full or a glass half empty point. It means that there's a lot of consumers out there that really haven't yet gotten engaged, uh, and a sizable number who have. And so the, the question becomes, how can you rally those stakeholders and create opportunity? I like to call it side by side, you know, to stand side by side with your consumers to, to help drive positive impact. And certainly we've seen, you know, lots of things on social media, lots of opportunities at, at purchase, point of purchase. Uh, there, are, there are the standard tools of cause marketing and social impact can certainly be, de be deployed here. But what people say is that they're proud that by supporting this product that their their activities that, that that they're supporting activities that are going to help consumers on on the other side of the world or in, or in another community or even in their own backyard uh, the thing that I would also say is that the we're increasingly seeing pressure from companies to engage their employees and so now, uh, if you're a global company and something happens in Japan, you better have a way to to to, to enable your employees to donate their their you know, personal resources or dollars or to do some matching or whatever it is that works for your particular company. But but you need to find a way to do that. Your your employees will be frustrated with you if you can't do that. And there are you know numerous platforms out there to enable that. Hey, Craig, you know, one of the campaigns you mentioned earlier, and I thought it was a really smart one, is uh, how Duracell has managed uh, their cause campaign of not only donating money but product back to first responders, and uh, which I think is kind of interesting, and I wonder if you would agree with this, is, you know, one, that's really smart from a consumer perspective because I think as consumers and as a people, we're very supportive of our first responders, especially in light of all the events of the past decade or so. But in the same breath, too, it's smart because first responders represent a huge consumer demographic in their own right, and they're tapping into that as well. Yeah, and and I can speak with some some uh, experience from this one. I, I worked at Procter and Gamble for a number of years, and actually worked on the Duracell business, and was was there when we built that program. You know, it mm -hmm. came out of a came out of a consumer insight, and and the thing I would say that in addition to everything you just just talked about is that it really tells the brand story in a really dramatic way. You know, it's a brand that stands for trusted products that are reliable, right. that are, you know, I sound like an advertiser now, but you know, <laughs> yeah, the, right. brainwa the, brain the brainwashing sticks you're, for a you're while. You still work at Medora, so? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know that the brainwashing really sticks. But it's a, it's a brand that's about trust, and so, so it is one of those brands that can wade straight into the disaster relief area and not have it be heavy and not have it be, uh, seen in any way as 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 being ex exploiting these situations. These are the people that on the ground need the support, and I can tell you from uh, experience that when you are there in the disaster, and and we've been and the brand has been in, in many of them over the last several years, that people are incredibly grateful for the brands showing up, and it's and half of it's the flashlight, and half of it's thanks for being here. You remember, right. you know, everyone, yeah. We, yeah. thanks for being here for us, and so so yeah, it builds the brand, it creates a loyalty among products. And it really—it's just a natural fit, and it's based on on a core insight that that, that the brand's all about. So yeah, and that's I, really I just love that campaign, though, and I just think it's so smart, you know, because because you know one of the things I always tell um, people too, uh, Craig and Megan, is I'm always emphasizing, you know, if you if you want to work with a cause and there's not a cause that you really love, uh, go for loyalists, you know, go for that cause mm -hmm. that you know has that ability to connect with loyalists. And I think when you're talking about first responders or firefighters or what have you, they're very supportive not only of each other, but the people and companies that support them.
You know, yeah, this is an, yeah. a fascinating point to me because when we're talking about disaster response and particularly the, the Duracell campaign, you know, that's a really sort of unique twist on disaster response and it fits really well with Duracell, obviously. But in situations like this, I mean, it's kind of like you give to the Red Cross, you give to the Salvation Army, you give to yeah. Save the Children. I mean, there are only a very small handful of nonprofits. So, I mean, is there is there any room for trying proactively to partner with a non-traditional nonprofit? profit to sort of pave your own way in this in this realm craig or or is it really you got to stick with those guys unless you've got something really really unique and and then you're forming a partnership around that like you know service dogs or something yeah well there's two parts to that and i think that that the answer is yes you can do both you know there are certain there is a certain need to to connect with the leaders in the space and you know and the procter and gambles and others of the world will call the red cross and other organizations like that first to see see where is the need and so they bring boots on the ground and experience you know they're not the only nonprofits out there but so there is some there's certainly some benefit to doing that but but the thing that i think that each of you is responding to around the duracell idea is is that what i love about this particular execution and and the tide boats of hope execution as well is that it it allows the brand to say what can we uniquely do to Solve this problem, you know, and, and the tie, and they're and they're based on consumer and, and real people insights. And so the the Duracell program built on the insight that when the power's out and you run now your cell phone's battery dead and you can't even take a picture of the roof that got blown off for the insurance right. adjuster because your camera's dead and your laptop's down. That in today's networked world, power is more important than ever before. Yeah. And so it comes in and helps people in that way stay mm. connected to what matters to them most. The Tableau's of Hope program, you know, built on on an insight that says, you know, I don't feel like a human being without clean clothes. And yeah. you know, if you've seen what a powerful seen, what a powerful yeah. thing to tap into though. Yeah. Yeah, you've seen moms show up and say, thank you, you know, my family, my children have clean clothes for the first time in a week. You have no idea how good that makes me feel. So they've managed to say, here's what we're we're really good at. We're going to help people get that dignity back. And that's all about their brand. Have you one of the things I heard uh, in about Doracell since you obviously do public relations for them? No, I'm just kidding. And uh, because they're not a (laughs) client, right? I mean, you know, not a client, not a a client. Yeah, correct. Not a client. (laughs) So they hear this, right? But. Someone had said, too, that they are considering having mobile energy hotspots for people during disasters so they can do just the things that we were talking about in terms of, you know, getting their charging their laptop, charging their phones and stuff like that. Have you heard anything about that? Well, all, all I can say is that you know that, that there are I've seen there are numerous organizations I think that are trying out ideas like that, and there are yeah. programs like that even in the developing world that bring kind of remote power solutions in. The, the 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 core part here is that it's that human insight part. It's the, like what do people really need, and what's really really important, and then how can a brand show up? And then to, to Megan to answer your question, does that that means you might not need to partner with a non-profit for brand or. Uh, credentialing. You, you've got the credentialing yourself. Maybe that partner is just about logistics, or, or maybe you don't yeah, even right. need them at all. You know, that's a lot of the Duracell work has been done with the trucks going out into communities, coordinating with FEMA and others, but 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 frontline responding. And so, so I think that 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 is that's the real question for brands: is that expectations are there? People want you to do stuff. Just phoning in money and just 
that saying that's what you do is, is no longer enough in terms of what consumers want. And the opportunity for the brand is to say, what can we uniquely do for the things that we know how to do uh, that can make the situation a lot better? And I think Tide has blazed the trail on this to say, uh, no one might have said laundry oh, you know, three years <laughs> right. ago. Right. But, but it's really important. And, and to your point earlier, many of their clients call it during those early days are first responders. They wash a lot of uniforms and they wash a lot of clothes for people that are pinned down and, and stuck there as the uh, Communities rebuild, so there's there, there are really a lot of layers to this. But that yeah. would be the question for companies: What can you, you know, uniquely do? One last point on that too, and something companies I hope they get involved with is with these tragedies. I really do think we have to look at what nonprofit and what nonprofits can best help in the situation. And I think uh, you know the way Boston, after the Boston bombing, the city and the state got together and set up the One Fund for Boston, uh, a pool of fund for the victims, and I think that has worked very well, not only for individual dollars, but for corporate dollars. But I think in other instances of tragedies, and again, pointing to the deaths in Yanel, a lot of that money that people donated out there went to multiple organizations with multiple purposes beyond supporting the families of those victims. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions out there right now. And, you know, that's one of the things, too, I think businesses can be really helpful with is really helping the public identify the best places to give their money. Totally agree. And then and then what is the focus? Is it the victims of yeah. resiliency for the next time? Right. This, these are the opportunities that exist out there to ensure that those affected are impact, uh, impacted are supported, but also to see, you know, what, what happens the next time around that can make response time faster or can save lives in the future or, or what's needed. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's bringing that sm- the business smarts of thinking, looking, uh, as well as the nonprofit expertise of knowing what it, how hard it and challenging it can be to actually deliver and to drive, to drive the impact at the ground uh, that, that really represents a major opportunity moving forward. Mm. Last question, Craig. Do, do you, how much can be planned out in advance versus how much has to be adjusted for the situation? Because I, I can't imagine that companies have a disaster giving response plan in place for any potential tragedy that could ever occur because you know most people don't envision a Newtown Connecticut for example right. or yeah. m- some of these horrific tragedies that have happened so so how much of it is can you do in advance and how much of it really has to be kind of plugged in as you're responding yeah, it's it's a great question, and there are some companies that know that they will likely be in the in the mix in any disaster of any kind. Think of a hospitality company or hotels, and think of the role that some hotels played in Sandy. They, it's they, so for them not to anticipate that, and and many and most of many of them, probably all of them, have some sort of an anticipated notion that you might not know exactly what's going to occur, but you know that that life's going to bring changes, and it feels like there are more and more of these things. It seems like uh, that are happening. So being prepared is critical. Yeah, you. Can't can't always predict exactly what's going to happen, but what we see, unfortunately, is many organizations towards the towards the end of not being prepared and then having in real time to find ways to respond, which may or may not often be helpful. We hear, you know, all the horror stories of a million pounds of dog food ending up, you know, rotting on a dock somewhere. Just too much, too many teddy bears in Newtown, yeah. and and so to avoid they that. They said in Haiti they had that, so much product donated from people they couldn't land the planes. They had the things they really needed. 
Yeah, so so that's the studied aspect of this. That's the opportunity potentially for coalitions or companies to get together. If there are regions that are hit in in, in, a, in a way, you know, there are you can draw a map, and there are organizations like the, the the Business Civic Leadership Council that have maps of the types of disasters that generally hit and generally in what places. And and most companies are up to speed on this. But 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 I think the challenge is is that you know being prepared to to react is more is more the question behind answer the question you just said versus being prepared for a very specific scenario. Excellent. Well, Craig, thank you so, so much. We really appreciate you going over this latest trend tracker. Can you tell people, our listeners, where they could find the trend tracker if they would like to learn more about that or about Cone? Absolutely. Uh, Cone Communications is at www.conecom.com, and we've got all the information about the agency as well as available, all the research that we've done is publicly available, and we'd love for you to come download it and to, to, let, to use it and to reach out with any questions on it. It's a really important issue specifically around disaster, and we're excited to see the research triggering questions and, and perhaps getting some folks to think about in the corporate side as well as nonprofit, how can I play a role and, and what do I need to do to be thinking about this to to leverage it to make my business as well as my community stronger. Excellent. And we'll put yeah. a link to that trend tracker on the show notes as well. Joe, where can people find you? Well, they can find me on my blog, of course, at SelfishGiving.com. Uh, today in my blog, I'm talking about a great new book out from the father of cause marketing, Bruce Birch, on uh, win-win uh, partnerships. Uh, so that's something you can check out today. You can also find me on Twitter, at Joe Waters. And, of course, check out my Pinterest boards on cause marketing, Pinterest.com, front slash Joe Waters. What about you, Megan? Where can people find you? We need a show just to where people can find you. It's like 20 minutes right, to find Joe Waters. <laughs> I'm also on the Twitters at Megan Strand, and I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF. Also blog for the Cause Marketing Forum at our newly done CauseUpdate.com. Nice. So please check us out there. Thanks so much. And um, on behalf of Craig and Joe and myself, I'd like to say thank you for joining us today, and please check us out next time for the next episode of Cause Talk Radio.